Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Marie Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is an award-winning director who's directed videos for bands like Pillow Queens and Bitch Falcon, and her short film Cat Calls is out soon. Kate Dolan, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited about your topic. Yes. It's one of the big ones. Yeah, it's very big. Well, it's very big to me, and I like... I'm a fan of the show, guys. Um, So whenever I would be listening, um, yeah, and I would be, I I would look on like Juvenalia, like on Spotify and I would go through and I'd be like, how have they still not done Buffy? Like, it's so Mm. weird because I would really love to listen to that episode. Um, Yeah. So here I am. (laughs) So for anyone who doesn't know what Buffy is, which I guess is some people, what is the basic premise of Buffy? So the basic premise of Buffy is that like a 16 year old girl um, moves to a new school and she is told that She's basically like a chosen one uh, of the Slayer, which of, there can only be one at any given time or whatever. Um, and she uh, is kind of has to deal with this huge responsibility being thrown at her when she's starting in a new high school. And it's mainly about, I guess, like the horrors of high school and growing up. And uh, she has friends along the way. So there's like the core four are her, Willow and Xander. So they're like her two best friends. And then Giles is like her kind of surrogate father in a way, like a mentor. He's her watcher. So, uh, yeah, he kind of like guides her through her journey. And is the one who tells her that she's the Slayer in the first place. Yeah. Ooh. So that's basically, basically. what it is. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. do you, do you like, remember starting watching it? Were you like an original TV watcher? Or did you come to it later? I actually was thinking about this the other day. Um, so I think I was about eight or nine. And we were, you know, when you were a kid and you'd walk the streets because yes. you had nothing else to do. So we were basically like walking the streets one day um, in Clontarf where my friend lived and we were just kind of walking around and then one of the girls, she had a friend who was in sixth class. So she was like, you know, who was like 12 and kind of cool. And she was like, let's go to her house because like her mom's not home and she's got the house to herself. And we were like, oh my God, cool. And so we went to her house and she was basically like, I have Buffy on box set. Um, So I'm just going to like put on an episode of Buffy and I was like, I'd heard about it kind of, and I knew it existed, but I like had never seen it. But I always thought like, oh, that sounds really cool and scary. Um, and then we watched, I think it was a uh, teacher's pet. It's like an episode where Xander, um, a teacher kind of seduces Xander, but then she's like a giant bug woman. And she's like, yeah, basically trying to like use him to have her like praying mantis babies. And uh, so it was kind of like a sexy episode because mm. he's like being seduced in it. And I think when you're that age, like, when your normal things you're watching are like Sabrina or stuff, it had like a little bit of an edge. Like it was a bit more scary and a bit more sexy. So I was just like, oh my God, this is such a cool show. I need to watch it. And then they like started showing it on Sky One, like a little bit after, I guess, I the US. I feel like it was on about, it was on at about five o'clock, was it? It was sort of on dinner-ish time. Yeah. Pre or post Simpsons. Simpsons Gate, you know, the point of the evening where... I think it was after. Was it after? Yeah, yeah. It would have been after the later. Because we used to be yeah. Hercules before Simpsons and then Buffy afterwards. Thanks, Ortiz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't have been allowed to watch it in the evening. Mm. But they, I think what Skywind did is they would repeat it in the mornings. Yeah. Mm. So if you're on like summer holidays, it would be on every morning at like 11 or something. 
and like I my mom was like always busy working so I was in my granny's a lot of the time when I was a kid and um, my granny was obviously just totally oblivious that mm. I was like watching the show that's how I got to watch Weaves and Butthead as well I used to stay at my grandmother all the time she, and she was like it's a cartoon yeah uh, yeah, yeah that's fine my favourite childhood <laughs> film one of my favourite childhood films is Cabaret uh, because my nana collected uh, VHS's taped from the telly of different musicals oh, she let me fully watch like <laughs> World War 2 queer drama like that, uh, just there you go it's got songs in it you're fine yeah yeah grandmothers who don't really understand content Come on, yeah. Yeah. yeah my granny would sometimes sit and watch it with me even she yeah. was like this is a bit scarier than sabrina and i was like yeah but it's good and she was like okay fine yeah, cool. like, blonde <laughs> lady she's fine yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um yeah so that's kind of how i came to it i suppose so what did you like about it um i i like i think at different stages of life it had like different meanings to me because mm. Like, looking back now, it, like, makes a whole lot of sense why I was drawn to it. Um, <laughs> but at the time, I think it was initially just that it was kind of, like, I was actually... So, me and my two um, best friends, we would be, like, Buffy mad when we were younger. And uh, I think uh, we, were always, we were always, like, why, as kids, were we drawn to, like, spooky stuff? Mm. And, like, maybe you kind of would relate as well, but it's, like... Um, you know, you just have an innate love of things that are spooky. Mm. Like, I loved Halloween. I loved anything with a ghost on it. I loved, like, anything with a pumpkin on it. I was, like, obsessed. And my mom was just like, why do you love spooky stuff? Like, it's so weird. And I don't know why. So then I think that was initially, it was, like, something scary on mm. the telly. Because I, like, it went there with monsters. Like, the yeah. monsters were, it was that lovely time where they made, like, there was makeup. And there was, like, it was kind of pre-CGI. Really practical, yeah. Yeah, yeah really yeah, practical. Yeah, yeah. And that that particular kind of way of seeing monsters I feel like it's less neutered than CGI monsters yeah. so they're really there in the room so the yeah. kind of threat that you feel from the, vamp- the vampires is it's heightened in some yeah. way it's different yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah definitely and I think um, yeah it was just something that like because I loved Goosebumps and I love Are You Afraid of the Dark and all that but this was like kind of different because yeah it had like so much more going on as well and like the characters I just loved them so much And I think as well at the time, like it's very much about kind of the outcast and like somebody Mm. who doesn't really fit in in their school or whatever. And they, you know, are hiding a big secret from Mm. a bunch of people. And so then as like a queer, young queer person, like anyone I talk to who's like a big Buffy fan, they're normally queer yeah. like mm. realistically and I think that that's not like a mistake it's yeah. definitely like you know it's not like we all just love spooky stuff it's mm. like yeah. um, it's like definitely you know there's something in it that like you know Buffy is 16 she's told that she is this thing that she can't help and can't get rid of and she has to be the slayer she can't just shirk the responsibilities because there's many times in this series like even later that she's like I don't want to do this anymore it's too much responsibility and you know it's very isolating and then she but she can't get rid of that and then it's like the idea then of like that that it's kind of like this queerness metaphor it's like having to have this big secret that you keep and then you have to like have this alternate life where you're you know going out finding vampires at night but you have to be at school and be normal during the day and it was very much like I think unbeknownst to me as like a nine or ten year old I was like I really resonate. This really resonates with me. Mm. Um, Can't put my finger on yeah. it. <laughs> and like, it wasn't until a bit later that I was like, oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I saw a really beautiful piece of theatre earlier on the year. I don't know if you saw it. Um, Rapids by Sean Dunn, which no. is about disclosure and about yeah. uh, HIV. And it opens with him standing in the middle of the stage going, so this is a, this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he gives a monologue about the moment where Buffy tells her mum 
yeah about where do you think I've been all these nights yeah yeah you yeah. know yeah. and uses it again and again in the show like as a repeated point to talk about how we tell the people close to us things that are difficult to say yeah. and it's a perfect allegory yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah like all the all of them vampires in in pop culture and critical theory are like extremely queer like the whole thing but Buffy really I think carries something about that coming of age experience because Buffy herself as a character is like high femme yeah. you know yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Sarah Michelle Gellar plays her as sort of a, a like blow-dried uh baby tea you know like she's not Buffy herself isn't super gothy initially, is she? She's no, quite no, no. Uh, no, no, she's cutesy. Very, you know, yeah, I guess preppy, Willow yeah. is kind of where that comes in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, she's she's high femme. She's an every girl. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you know what I mean. So that's a that adds a different layer to it of yeah. to the pretense and the pantomime of like straight femininity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really uh, it's clever. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And like you know, Joss Whedon problematic a little bit sometimes. All our faves are problematic. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he is kind of a genius like Buffy there's so much in Buffy like even like before coming here like I was just kind of like writing down my favorite episodes so mm-hmm. I would remember and then I was just like oh and, the, and this and when they do this it's actually amazing like that yeah as you said the episode where Buffy is like telling Joyce her mom that mm-hmm. uh, she's a slayer like and it's this kind of it's kind of hilarious scene but also heartbreaking because yeah. like her mom's like you know, have you ever tried not being a slayer? Like she literally <laughs> says that and it's like hilarious, but also like, you know, literally I could probably word for word take out slayer had the same conversation with my mom. Like yeah. it was, and it was, and that was obviously after I saw that, I saw that episode, but I didn't come out to my mom till like, you know, probably seven or eight years after mm. I would have seen that. But um, yeah, it's so funny. It was just like, they really nailed it. You know, mm. it's a, uh, pretty amazing um and that would have yeah. been kind of long before on television that you would have seen sequences like that in, yeah in a I, Buffy's in a soap but it sort of for me takes the same kind of that's why I found it kind of harder to watch it when I was younger I only watched it later on I, I knew it I, I had girlfriends who knew who were like obsessed with it and used to go to like special episode screenings who were devout yeah um yeah. <laughs> but uh I couldn't get into it because I couldn't follow the plot because it felt like a soap because if you hadn't seen what was going on before I didn't know mm. what anyone was do you know yeah. I'd sit down and watch it and be like are there three new people in this episode? What's their name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. people talk about like, the Sopranos kind of kickstarting the golden age of like serialized television, but Buffy was there mm. like two, three years beforehand mm. where yeah. you have to watch every episode to fully get what was going on. Yeah, but I mean, there are also like, I think when I came to it first, like when I say after that kind of first experience of seeing it in that girl's house, I think, you know, I did just kind of start watching them on mm. Sky One and there are like real, really great standalone episodes Monster that you of can the Week watch. style. Yeah, so it's like, you know, there's that, I think when it got to season three, like season one and two have a few kind of standalone ones that you could watch and that doesn't really interrupt mm. the main arc, but like season three and four, yeah, kind of got more, You ha- yeah, there's characters coming in that are being built up and uh, being kind of integrated into the main group. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in that way. Who was your favourite character? Um, I always think about this, I mean, like... I don't know. I love them all so dearly. It was recently, so my girlfriend, uh, we've been together for like three and a half years, but she had never seen Buffy. (gasps) What a Um, cool thing to bring someone into. I know, because she was like, she had a very strict, um, well, not strict parents, but they like, basically, she's never seen Simpsons either. It's a big problem. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Meet your cousin, like. (laughs) Yeah, so she basically, she wasn't allowed to watch Buffy either. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, like, she just didn't think it was really for her because she was like oh it's like this monsters thing and I don't know mm. if that's like my vibe and um, but I so last year I introduced her to it and we watched all seven seasons together Whoa. and 
I think rewatching it again now, like, because I've rewatched it through a few, like, probably like four times at this point. Um, but that time was really special because she was seeing, because I know the characters so well and I love mm. them. Like, they're like my friends. Yeah. Um, so, but watching it with her, I was like, is she going to like them as much as I like them and all yeah. this stuff? But then, like, yeah. literally by the end of the first season, she was like, Oh my god, I love that! Like even Xander, he's really problematic and annoying. And like when you watch he's the that, Ross. <laughs> when you watch it as an adult, like in our day and age, and you see some of Xander's behavior in like season one and two, you're just like, oh yeah. you are <clears throat> the worst. It's like panto creep, truly the worst. Yeah, it's the post Chandler derangement syndrome kind of. It's Whoa, like what Chandler would have exactly been. What it is. Yeah. In high school, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, there is that, but like, I love just how she like started loving them all as well mm. so much. And I think rewatching it now, I think when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have said Willow, mm. but I think actually Willow because her arc, when you watch it from all the way through from Aww. season one to the very end, is just so amazing. Because she starts as like this really really meek individual she's in all season eyeballs. one she's just all beautiful eyes and she kind of just, uh, she's just like yeah. lets everyone walk all over and then she starts learning magic and it's kind of this amazing transformation of a person just like finding a thing that they're amazing at and being this like super powerful force and like becoming this like super witch by the very end you're just like oh my god you're amazing and she has like these you know terrible like troughs and peaks I'd, like obviously you know, many things. I don't want to spoil anything if anyone hasn't seen it. I think but anybody's listened to this all is, is, has We're all down. Yeah. Yeah. So she yeah. like yeah. gets addicted to black magic and that's a whole storyline where she, her and her girlfriend kind of break up basically because she's using spells in a way that isn't healthy and then her girlfriend leaves and when she comes back, her girlfriend is, dies and she has to kind of go through that and becomes this super evil witch in this short like kind of um, two episode arc where she just like basically is like I've suffered this terrible grief now everyone has to suffer mm. and it's just like won't listen to any of her friends and like you know very comically is suddenly all dressed in black with black hair and black eyes which <laughs> I was watching that episode of my girlfriend and we were like I was like I never questioned it before but where did she suddenly get the black outfit because like at the when Tara dies, she's wearing like this white shirt and like blue jeans and then she's just like suddenly in this like all black outfit on this like, target like you yeah know. it's like well for my rampage I'm gonna need a quick <laughs> yeah. outfit change I'm like furious but first I need to think box yeah. all just like yeah, scraping yeah. it onto her head spine yeah it's so funny um, so I think Willow is kind of amazing but like there's so many again like Spike is a very problematic character in many ways but like his arc is kind of amazing as well and like um, I was actually listening to, on the Buffering podcast that they have. They did an interview with James Marsters recently. And like listening to him talk about Spike made me kind of appreciate Spike more from his experience of being Spike for so long. Mm. And like, yeah, but I mean, then also Buffy, like Buffy is amazing as a character. And I can't I was trying to think on my way here what other shows have had, as you said, such high femme, girly kind of almost not, Britney Spears fan yeah like it's that very particular aesthetic you yeah know, there's a lot of like leather pants and yeah. like 90s string tops going on yeah in Fluff, those fluffy kind of bobbins and things yeah and, shit, and yeah. like has there ever been a hero who is like so strong but also vulnerable and flawed in many ways and that romantically is this, like, vulnerable yeah you know? like yeah, she yeah. is so vulnerable and maybe maybe no you know because like you know you always have like the Harry Potter or the Frodo or like whoever and it's always like a guy but there's like a girl on the periphery but I think like as a kid watching that I was like this girl is the main thing she's like you know she's got her periphery pals Willow and Xander but like you know she is this like empowered woman who can like 
do whatever she can like she can basically do whatever she wants and like is super strong but yeah there's like really great episodes where she starts to like question herself and like loses her kind of and even mojo the whole stuff with angel same. kind of wrecks her for a yeah. while you know like it's i think that's when i stopped watching was after the angel thing because I, I think whatever time i was watching it i feel like my my interpretations probably weren't very nuanced and i was just like that's actually almost comedy level like and then they do a sex and then he's like fuck you goodbye and then she's ruined and i was like I don't know if I can handle this. Yeah. But come through it, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at the yeah, time, yeah. I was really off put by that because up until that point, she had been marvelous and yeah. he decimates her. You know, she obviously comes back. It's fine in the end. But like, yeah. there's a really hard left turn in those episodes around Angel. Like, yeah. It's, uh, ooh, it's not great. Yeah. The Angel thing, like, I think that episode is kind of problematic a little and bit. And gothic. In, like, yeah, in it's, it's like, of it. it can be that whole thing of like, the sex like it's so on the nose in a way but like I kind of love it because you're just like it's camp almost and even in the queer like the kind of the queer story of Buffy as like the slayer as like a queer woman and you know if you kind of use that representation it is that like you know first relationship that you have that someone who finally understands you Mm. and you can confide in and get like you know the other gay person you meet say the first one and then it like so often can be just turn really bad and really sour Mm. because you're both kind of these you're still kind of coming to terms with what you are and who you are and it's like you end up kind of ruining each other in a way which is holy shit that is a very very (laughs) (laughs) honest I think I need to go and like yeah 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 Yeah, actually so it's I think like yeah there's so much even throughout the series where there's things like that which I think like the queerness of that like you know the queer experience there's so many kind of tie-ins to Buffy and then like also as Willow kind of mm. you know also um becomes like a queer woman with the lovely Oz with the lovely little ginger Oz I like yeah his little mush. one of the most heartbreaking episodes is that <sighs> one where basically so Willow um she has a high school boyfriend Oz who is a werewolf and he's like played by the lovely Seth Green yeah yeah mm-hmm. who's a all brilliant. five foot two of them and like <laughs> his college boyfriend him and <laughs> yeah like him and Willow have such a gorgeous relationship and they're just like so cute together and then like um, a kind of you know shit goes down a few kind of instances happen a few werewolfy where, moments <laughs> yeah like he kind of gets off with another female werewolf at one point and le- decides he needs to kind of learn to control his werewolfness and leave um, because he can't deal with like doing this to Willow or whatever and then Willow goes to college and like you know I remember I watched an interview with Joss Whedon and he was like yeah well we were like Willow goes to college she starts experimenting with magic and you know it's like <laughs> so funny it's just like so on the nose as well at times you're just like this is so hilarious He's joking yeah yeah but um there's like a really heartbreaking episode where basically like Oz comes back when they're in college and he's like, look, I've learned to, I can stand under a full moon and I can control myself. Will you take me back essentially? And she's started a relationship with this girl, Tara. And she kind of basically tells him no because she is in love with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's just like so heartbreaking because, you know, even the little gay Kate Dolan was like, I really want her to get with Tara because that's what I want. But I'm so heartbroken that like it won't work between mm. Oz and Willow because they were just like such an amazing couple and they're so cute. And you're just like, really, it's, yeah, it's really sad. But um, And that's what you get the room and space for in an ensemble piece and in a 
fucking seven series show where you can watch them grow up and be heartbroken over each other and that's what you get when you get a a nuanced ensemble who are going through loads of different things and there's like that was terrible and awful but then this was okay and what getting to watch them like I have I have long running shows like that where it's like uh, they were they were a bit of a jerk for a couple of seasons, but they kind of copped on to themselves mm. later. Or like, yeah. oh, germ- like that's this that's almost the soap element of it. Do yeah, you know that they yeah. can move in and out of each other's lives, like, and that is also reflective of complexity, like, and real life. Yeah, that's what happens, especially growing up as a queer person. Like, there's people yeah. that you weren't ready to meet. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's it. Absolutely, and I think that's a lovely thing about Buffy as well. It's like because sometimes those good fighting evil shows can be so black and white in that mm. it's like good versus evil that person's bad and this person's good. But I think Buffy does amazingly. It's like nobody's ever really good or bad. There, you know, there is gray areas and like, you know, people who are, you know, Angel becomes a villain Mm. and then he comes back and he's not a villain anymore. And like Spike starts out a villain. He's introduced as like a villain, like just a vampire. He was meant to be in that, I think, for like, a couple of episodes and then they were like no we want to bring you back because we love you mm-hmm. um and you know like he kind of redeems himself and then like willow as i said has hers and like but even on the periphery like cordelia yeah. who is just like insanely beautiful but also like a massive weapon she moves in and out of it throughout yeah you know i mean she changes and remains gray right? yeah yeah like there's even like so in the first episode cordelia is really this kind of like you know tropey like bitchy popular girl at school and like Almost so, like Libby and Sabrina aesthetically, yeah. in fact, with the dark hair yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like, you're like, you know, I love my favorite quote of Cordelia and I always say it is like, what is your childhood trauma? Um, <laughs> but like, I love that. It's so good. But uh, yeah, then she kind of gets incorporated in the group because she starts a romance with Xander, who's like, you know, really massive buffoon and a nerd, but she loves him. And like really genuinely in the show, she like adores him. And it's like really sweet. And you're kind of like, wow, this character that's set up as this like really stereotypical you know bitchy popular girl has so many levels to her in herself and she's like really smart and like you know all this stuff that you're just like wow I don't think I've seen this on a show before that can take those kind of tropes and then just like it's all about subversion I think Buffy and like they're constantly doing it all the time and it's just like so satisfying to watch as Mm. a show that that reward that you get where you're like oh oh you're talking to me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not very not common not common like it yeah. just it, it, when it hits you on all those different levels what are your favourite episodes what are my favourite I've wrote so, I started writing I so many list. I love <laughs> notes. I still have Lisa, Lisa Cohen's Stephen King chart oh, yeah. um, I love I love lists it's great um, yeah I don't know like there's so many amazing ones I think as a like spectacle and like probably one of my favourite episodes to rewatch now is um, at the end of season three there's a two part uh, kind of episode called Graduation where they're graduating, but also like fighting the big evil of that season, which is the mayor who's like giving a, he's giving the like uh, speech at their graduation, but they like know he's going to basically turn into this giant monster and cause the end of the world. And like you, the whole season, you're like, how are they going to defeat him? Because they're setting him up as such a like, he's such a great character as well. Like throughout the whole thing, he's just like so hilarious. Um, But yeah, they're kind of like, how are they going to do this? And then there's this amazing episode, like graduation part two, where they like, Basically, the whole school, they've gotten everybody in on it. And like all these kind of people that they've met from like season one, two and three in school, everyone's there and everyone has like crossbows and like fucking like, you know, all this stuff. And they're like basically just all the like kids, the teenagers are like fighting off this big evil together on their graduation. And like they the um, 
they blow up the whole school and like I think as a young person when I was a teenager and like a kid watching that and even now like it's so satisfying because you're Mm. just like I know we went to the same secondary school. Yeah, hot, hot <laughs> tip, hot tip. Myself and Kate both survived the same horrendous co- convent. Yeah. Um, but like at the end of that episode, you know, Seth Green's character, he goes, we survived. And it, like Buffy's like, yeah, it was a hell of a battle. And he's like, no, I mean high school. Yeah. And it's like such an amazing, like gorgeous moment where they're just like, they've basically blown up this place that like throughout those first three seasons has been like, this endless source of torture for them with all mm. these monsters and terrible things happening and, you know, terrible principles and all that kind of stuff. And now it's just, like, gone and they're moving on and, like, the next season they're in college. And it's just, like, mm. it's such a cool... I just love that episode. I think it's just, like, so fun and, like, the battle scene is just so well done and exciting. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, so many other episodes, I mean, that I love as well. Um, but that, I think that's a real standout and one. using the high school as a backdrop for that... Again, it's all allegory. Like, isn't it really like, yeah. I mean, it's operating on a really point to point allegory vibe, you know, and using a secondary school as a backdrop, especially for this the queer subtext and the different relationships they have in different groups. Like that backdrop is so powerful, especially when you're growing up, because you can place yourself in your own school. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes I wonder, are we coming to the end of the days where in teenagers hate school as much as we did? Every so often I meet someone who liked school and I'm like, really? Yeah. You, you did? What? I think that's why like another reason like it's resonates so much with queer people is because obviously mm. like our school experience is usually so shit that you're oh, just like gosh. a show like Buffy when I was younger I was like it like really stuck with me because I was like I am just like you know I hate school so much and it's a torturous place mm. where like I just like Again, it was and it was a hyper feminine uh, feminine environment so it was an all girls convent yeah and you were two years under, under me weren't, weren't yeah, you yeah so, yeah yeah uh, and that wave of I went back recently to 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 talk to some students there under like under like nearly a moral dilemma I was like do I go back yeah you know what I mean are we not meant to be meant to be running as far as we can but I thought for a second I was like well maybe if I can go in and there's three girls in the year I'm talking to yeah who might be a bit like I was yeah bitch it's about fucking 16 17 of them do you know what I mean it's a whole society the school has like an LGBTQ society it has a mental health side they're Things have moved on, but the yeah. years in which we were there, I think something like Buffy would have had a lot more resonance in terms of culturally what it was like to be yeah. uh, a bit at odds with your school environment. Yeah, and even like, not even queer, but like a lot of, you know, many people who were outcasts in their school environment. Any, I think, for any reason. Yeah. yeah, Buffy really resonated with them because they go like, that's me, I can see myself and I, you can blow up the school at the end and get the fuck out of there and like mm. move on and live your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah. That's a really special episode. I think as well, another one that's like probably a famed episode of Buffy and like rewatching it with my girlfriend, I was like panicking because she like cries so easily at things. And like, I, I don't, I never cry at stuff. And like the body, the episode of Buffy, it's basically where um, Buffy's mom dies. And Buffy basically, it just opens with like Buffy coming in she calls to her mom and her mom is just basically like has had a brain hemorrhage on the sofa. Oh my God. And like, I think it's just so stark because all the other deaths that you ever see in Buffy are these like really supernatural, fantastical mm. things. And they're so outlandish and crazy and like vampires bursting into dust. Like there's no bodies. Mm. There's no like, you know. There's no mundane has... human experiences of death. It's yeah. All... And like this episode is just so like amazing and rewatching it there like um not too long ago but it was just like it's just so well made like the first five minutes are essentially kind of one shot of Buffy 
And like Buffy, this character who's so strong and can fight any evil and like never, you know, falters in the face of like death where she's been like, it's been in her face for so long. And then she's just like, her mom's dead. And she's just like reverts to like, it's really terrifying scene to watch because you're just like, she like regresses so quickly to just like a child because her mom's like not responding. And she like, it's so mundane. She has to like ring the paramedics and they Mm -hmm. come and it's this long kind of opening of the the episode and you're just like I've never seen this on TV it's like this really really mundane experience of death where you're just like I can't fa- I can't really understand what's happening I get I have to do this and I have to call this person and the bureaucracy of death yeah, yeah and she's just like she doesn't know who to call and she's kind of just like this person who usually has all the answers and gives these like super empowering speeches and battles and all this kind of stuff is suddenly just like completely incapacitated and it's such a powerful episode. And like, there's another, like one of my favorite characters as well is Anya, who's like, basically she comes in um, like uh, in season three as like, she was meant to be this one-off character. And basically this is going to be a bit of a segue, but anyway, um, but she basically uh, comes in because Cordelia, Xander cheats on Cordelia. And so um, Anya is a vengeance demon and she comes and is basically like, I remember this. Yeah. I will grant your wish and she was like I wish Buffy Summers has never come to Sunnydale because basically like she's like Buffy is the reason that like this has happened and then the wish comes true and it's a hilarious episode where like basically there's an alternate version of reality where like Buffy doesn't exist and like it's so funny um, and like Willow and Xander are these like sexy vampires that are like really <laughs> like over the top and it's like so hilarious um, but basically Anya was meant to be just in that episode but they loved her kind of so much that basically like after that episode she because the wish goes wrong she like gets reverted to being human so she's mortal even though she's been a demon for thousands of years and then she gets as the like seasons go on gets kind of brought into the main cast and like her and Xander start they kind of get together and they're a couple but because she's a demon she has this like you know um it's almost as if like you know an Asperger spectrum that she like can't really always she kind of just says what she thinks all the time Mm. and it's really refreshing and you know, um, I love her so much because she'll just be like, you know, like Buffy will be like, what are we going to do? Run away. And she's like, I think that's like a brilliant idea, actually. And, you know, like just so, <laughs> you know, kind of saying the things that like some of the audience would be thinking in the moments. And it's just like so fun. Um, but because she's kind of got this disconnect where she can't always empathize with people fully because she has this like. Is a demon. Thousands yeah, of years old. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, why would you do that? And like. In the body, it's she has this an amazing speech where basically she's like, the whole time she's kind of still doing this. It's like, well, why, why are we gonna go here and what are we gonna do and like all this kind of stuff, and like you know Willow kind of loses the rag with her and is like, shut up, like you don't, you have no empathy and you don't care about like this at all and like basically kind of like gives it um like basically like shouts at her and Anya has this amazing speech where she's like, well I don't understand because she's like a demon so she's like I don't understand death like what. She's just like never gonna like, you know, eat like oatmeal again and like blah, blah blah. And she like gives this whole speech about like kind of her understanding death for the first time. And they're just like everyone there's just trying to keep it together. And she's just like bursts into tears. And it's like a really powerful moment with like this person that you kind of perceive as like not being very empathetic is like suddenly, you know, she's like, no, I hate this idea that humans can die. And then like, you know, she gets really paranoid. She's like. What if Xander dies, you know? And it's just like really amazing. Mm. So the episode has like so many great moments, but I think, yeah, 
that's kind of I, I could go on forever but please do please yeah. do um, yeah. but I think that's like one of my favorites now think back like when I was a kid I didn't really like it because I think it was it's too sad. it was mm. too much yeah to watch um but now it's just like amazing you know it's just like so and like so well made as well to get to go back to these things and feel like they hold up mm. or to gain something new is deeply fucking uncommon do you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for a TV show that ran that long. Well, always being able to be like, Fabe's problematic, we know. Yeah. <laughs> but to be rewarded again for going back and being able to experience it differently as an adult. Yeah. Like experiencing it differently as a person who's experienced death. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to, I think that's, and there's kind of a, a very powerful thing about that revisitation yeah. and like, and watching it with someone for the first time who probably won't see it coming a mile away. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, it's kind of amazing. Um. Yeah, because one thing on my rewatching season six, which is the one with the musical episode, uh-huh. um, it uh, that season. So at the end, I hate spoiling, but at the end of season five, Buffy kind of sacrifices herself to save the save everybody, and so she dies. And then in, that's the start of season six. They bring her back from the dead, because um, Willow basically can like has kind of been practicing this darker magic and can bring her back. And like Buffy in that season, I always hated it when I was younger because I was like. Oh, it's just like really annoying. She starts kind of having this romantic relationship with Spike, which is really destructive and abusive. And like everything, everyone's just kind of sad. And Buffy's really sad because basically she has been taken from what was heaven and like brought back to earth. And she doesn't want to be alive. I remember watching some of that season at the time and being like, that's not the Buffy from yeah the show before oh, yeah because i've what i've seen is uh the first two seasons and a bit of season three but i watched that uh the musical episode this morning and i knew who none of the characters were pretty much <laughs> yeah like uh anya dawn tara dawn, yeah. none dawn, of them yeah. had none of them had been there when i stopped watching oh um, yeah 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 because it got taken off netflix so i wasn't enjoying it i was enjoying it a lot actually thanks um, netflix yeah thanks netflix <laughs> um yeah and it's just it's it's weird that Buffy is like one of the few shows to make the jump from high school to college show intact and still actually be good once it makes the jump. Yeah. Because like most shows don't do it for like when Sabrina went to college it kind of lost yeah. it. I don't observe. Bell lost it entirely. Yeah. Um, but Buffy it man, and managed to bring in new characters and make them work and make them as memorable and as important as the original ones is really yeah. unusual and really impressive. No, really amazing. Yeah, I think like there's a great like the first episode of season four when they start in college and Buffy, you know, had kind of made a name for herself. There's like at their prom in season three, they give her like um, like an award for basically being like class protector. And it's kind of mm. like everyone now has recognized that she's like done all this amazing stuff for them. And it's like a really powerful moment. But then she's like thrown into college. So like, you know, even if you've like been great at like secondary school, sometimes you're thrown into that and you're just like, I feel like a tiny worm. Mm. And like basically, you know, the first episode of that, Buffy just like can't handle being in college and she, it's so so different to her and like Willow's really excelling and like finding it really fun but like Buffy can't deal with it and it's just like such a great uh, she basically like ends up killing this like nest of vampires or whatever and kind of gets her mojo back at the end of the episode and you're just like oh it's so relatable like you know the first time you're in college and mm. you're just like this is so different I feel like you're such a you're baby you're like a 300 seater lecture you're like yeah. everybody else seems to have figured out and made friends already you're like yeah. what well, I've missed and, and like a meeting or something where we got, <laughs> yeah, got yeah. signed up to each other. I yeah. want to go to the sound club where yeah. you go yeah. with sound people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, they do college really well. And even though season four is probably my least favorite characters in it, Riley, who is Buffy's love interest in season four. I fucking hate Riley. <laughs> He's so boring. He's just such a jock meathead idiot. Okay, Which yeah. in its own way, like rewatching it now, like when I was doing it with my girlfriend, like recently, 
it kind of has its own merits in a way because Buffy's like struggling really hard to have a romantic relationship which, which is with, with someone just completely normal. Someone who's not like a, yeah. an undead immortal <laughs> yeah. creature. Someone without yeah. a body count. Yeah. 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 But you're like, Buffy, this guy's like so dumb. Like so... <laughs> I like it, There's a really funny scene. I was actually like laughing at it um, where it's like basically Buffy goes to a church where like these vampires have like set up and like Riley's just there in a suit and she's like, wait, what are you doing here? And he's like, I was going to church. It's Sunday. And you're just like, that's just so alien to Buffy that she's just like, somebody would go to church. And you're, they're just like so mismatched for each other that mm. you're just like, what are you doing, Buffy? You're crazy. But uh, yeah, no, season four has a great college moments, though, in it, which uh, I think they capture that experience even really well, mm. which is uh, really cool. Um, but yeah, season six, I really appreciated later on it as an adult watching it because I think it's when Buffy is like, you know, college is kind of done. They're adults. Her mother um, dies and she's like very much left alone to be an adult in and like pay bills and do things that like she's never really had to do before because she's just kind of thrown into it. She has to get like a menial job and she has to like while also dealing with this kind of dread of that she like did not want to be brought back from the dead and now she's forced to be living and I thought that like watching it as an adult was so interesting because I was like it's like yeah as an adult you're just forced into living and like having to do all this stuff that's horrible and stressful but you have to just do it and you have to kind of get on with it and so there's so many kind of mundane moments in that season as Mm -hmm. well where Buffy's like has to get a plumber and like all this kind of stuff that you're just like Oh, you know, it's just like really oh, yeah. great. Yeah. It's so many things you have to learn when you like I remember my I had a really untidy roommate and eventually I'd say to him, like, how do you think tea bags get from that little bit in the sink into the bin? Because he, <laughs> he, he would just leave them there and that he was like that my job is done. I was like Tea bag fairies. It never occurred to him if there's a, <laughs> a further step from sink to bin. There are there are moments yeah. like that in adulthood. Like I've been living at a home for like I'm gonna a a decade. <laughs> fuck and my kid sister is about to move out for the first time oh right and I was away on holidays and my pal my actually biggest Buffy fan uh, friend Laura was looking after our house and our giant bastard cat and uh, <laughs> the morning was a sequence of the most boring problems that culminated in me getting into my bathroom which was under three inches of water oh, God. and as I was standing there I was like this is my responsibility yeah I am the person who has to deal with this yeah. There is no other human being on this planet right now who is going to solve this flood. And it is so boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take so long and it's going to be so expensive. And those crushing adult moments, like you don't tell seven years of somebody's life, you know, Slayer yeah. or not, yeah. without calling the fucking plumber yeah. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. working the <laughs> shitty job because it's total. Do you know, yeah. like the, there, there's lots of different Buffies that we get to see throughout it. Like she grows, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but the, I, the, I remember seeing parts of that arc where she had been killed and came back and was big fucked off. Yeah. That's a really bold choice. Mm. Instead of being happy to see her friends again, instead of being like, I'm so fucking glad I'm alive. She's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. You brought yeah. me back to this. Like yeah. that's a really weirdly sophisticated take for like like television from that time. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Especially television that was aimed at teenagers. Do you know what I mean? Or not aimed at teenagers, but like that was effectively young adult. You know what I mean? Mm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fucking good. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's amazing. And I think uh, the relationship with Spike, 
there's a like maybe you know or you don't but there's a p- kind of very problematic episode where supposed to be Spike is like a villain in season two he gradually kind of becomes this almost like there for comic relief because he mm. gets a chip put in his brain in season four by the, the army initiative <laughs> um, basically they uh, put a chip in his brain so he can't harm anybody and he becomes this kind of almost you know just a neutered com- yeah, yeah this neutered vampire who just like has these amazing one liners and like you kind of grow to love him and then I think what happened was the fans started kind of shipping Spike and Buffy I love ship yeah oh love an L ship and so it did happen like they start to have a romance but it's in season 6 and it's very much like Buffy hates that she's alive and hates herself and like she can't talk to her friends because they they're just ha- so happy she's alive again she can't so like be like I want to be dead again I don't mm. want to be here and he's obviously this really kind of you know at his core a vampire so no soul and she just then finds this romance with him and they have this very kind of abusive relationship um like physically almost um and it's just kind of amazing like re-watching it you're just like yeah when you're at the kind of darkest worst part of your life obviously you're gonna like look for an abusive relationship with somebody who is gonna equally hate themselves oh sure already in the dark let's go even fucking darker like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's um there is this, an episode kind of near the end of season six where basically Buffy has had like this big fight with this like kind of super vampire um and uh yeah he like basically she's kind of bruised and battered so she's not at her peak strength and he comes in and kind of sexually assaults her kind of forces himself on her almost and she has to kind of fight him off physically Um, and Buffy can't like you're like Buffy you could throw him through a wall like you could literally kill him but she doesn't Mm -hmm. and it's just like this really horrible horrible episode to watch and you know and and I remember Joss Whedon I read a thing that he was like basically like I put that there because you know, people were forgetting that Spike has no soul and you kind of ha- he is ha- going to have this terrible behaviour. So it's like, you know, a lot of the fans were like, why did you do that? It's so horrible it's to like see. Because it, have you forgotten who you're dealing with? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. also like, I think he was like, people were romanticising the abusive mm. relationship that they had. So you have to take it. Yeah, so they, he yeah. was like, I need to do something that will really show that like, no, you shouldn't be in love with men who treat you really badly. Like, um, so that's like a very powerful moment. And, and he, then Spike leaves for like uh, a few episodes. He kind of goes and comes back in season seven. But um, yeah, that in itself is just like kind of rewatching it as an adult and understanding the nuance of like, yeah, being in a relationship with somebody who treats you badly and abuses you in some way, whether emotionally or physically is, you know, it's there, you know, in that season, which is kind of amazing. And uh, they do it really well, which I didn't appreciate, I think, when I was younger because mm. I didn't really get what they were trying to do. Uh, but we're all coming to things now. <coughs> like, yeah. I don't know, in my experience anyway, because like I'm up to my fucking eyes in film theory, is that I do appreciate having the nuance in things now. Like it does certainly destroy a great deal of pop culture. <laughs> um, it makes a lot of things utterly joyless. But going back and watching things and seeing, oh, actually, they were trying to say something there. Mm. you know and maybe I just didn't clock it at the time and that mm. intentionality and in how they tell this like it's not gratuitous it's intentional and I think that if you're telling a story in a manner that's intentional even when it shows things that are difficult to process mm. or uh, abusive or portraying those kind of relationships 
doing that doing so with intentionality is quite a powerful move especially when it's beloved characters or people yeah. who yeah. are like mad about people i don't think they could do it now with tumblr like culture because oh, as soon no, as it no. happened first they'd be like the whole show is cancelled because they're not allowed to really have a character should be cancelled you guys absolutely not you know now like if a character is something bad they don't you're not allowed like have a bad action play out over four episodes no before it's redeemed no it has to everybody has to be like Binary, 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 like, binary. Well, very well behaved the entire time. Otherwise, the show itself is bad. There's yeah. no intentionality really allowed for anymore. No. Whereas Buffy's allowed, is able to go into those spaces and... Well, in real life even. Stuff. You know, yeah. like, it's so like, you know, one action is, yeah, you're cancelled. You know, the mm. cancel culture thing. It's just like, people are more than one action that they've ever done. And even if it's particularly, you know, a terrible thing, you have to believe that, like people, people can change and redeem themselves mm. you know i think that's like so important as humans that like you know nobody lives their entire life completely perfect and if you tried mm. to you would go absolutely insane mm. good um, faith is a really hard thing to muster in the year of our lord 2019 especially yeah. for me like but i think i don't know who i was talking to about this but it's been rattling around my head because i think it's one of the funniest things in the world that at a certain age maybe your mid-20s everyone should have like similarly to like a holy confirmation a cancellation ceremony where, <laughs> <laughs> where you're just cancelled when you're about 25 mm. so yeah. you can be like and now i have learned and i will be like reborn <laughs> as, a, as my cancelled and better self mm. yeah. in uh, in my 26th year but yeah. uh but yeah that and I I, um, I said this to the X-Files uh, as well like I'm really grateful and you probably feel this as well like I think you, you we, I think everybody has this with shows and things they like to have been able to digest it and watch it at our own pace without the unpacking unpicking critical theory culture of the internet so we're not immediately yeah. switching online to see what everyone else is thinking and feeling like I'm not immediately re-watching lip syncs you know I'm not mm. immediately reading like uh, an episode by episode review or listening mm. to a and I, and I love rewatch podcasts and I love listening to other people look at where we are oh my god like I love <laughs> listening to other people talking about things I love but when I think back on my teens and 20s oh, yeah. uh, early 20s of looking at things without the specter of the internet hanging over everything and ready to go I can't believe you like that character does that mean you're a bad person mm -hmm. you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm really relieved that I got to watch things like the X-Files and Twin Peaks as a teenager yeah before I had to critical theory at a part and Buffy's yeah. the same yeah but you were allowed to enjoy it with your heart and mm. your head and your own life mm. and find your own truth in it really hard to have like a truly personal relationship with something now no yeah it's always it's mediated through yeah true like twitter reactions or recaps or that kind of thing every so often i watch her play something and i'm like this is just for me mm. no one else knows about yeah this. yeah and i think it's so hard yeah for teenagers now it's just like you're constantly because obviously as a teenager you're constantly trying to find a box to put yourself in because mm. you just feel so isolated from a lot of like a, that's an experience for most people I assume um but now yeah I guess it's so much easier to just like yeah be like the queerness of Buffy blah 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 and then you're just like you know you're like, okay I'm this I'm this listen up Twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. hot take for you buckle up yeah, we're gonna yeah. talk about you where it's like yeah having the room I guess to kind of figure it out for yourself and not have a billion people on YouTube tell you that this is how you should feel about a thing and yes. that's where meaning is forged yeah like that's where really necessary connection and understanding our own lives through narrative happens mm. like and I think that I don't know that's something that I value greatly and like part of what I love about when we talk to people I guess who are our age or a little older like that it's 
in the silence where we forge our relationships with these shows and we find mirrors in them we find mm. parts of ourselves back in them as well mm. do you think Buffy would do well today like let's say tomorrow morning bam Netflix drops a fucking eight episode season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the show is exactly what it was but yeah. it's being dropped on Netflix tomorrow and Russian Doll style everyone's gonna watch it at once I don't know if it would work I don't know I think it was kind of born at the perfect time because even as you said at the beginning like the practical effects and the mm. kind of the DIY feel of it almost mm. it kind of gave it its charm in many ways um yeah I'm not sure I know they're doing a reboot but like not it's not going to be Buffy <sighs> oh no <laughs> Cassie um, just lifted her head from the from the producing desk and was like no. um they're like uh and it's like a woman of color who's like she's gonna okay. show run it and stuff so I don't know like it's not, and they said it's not in any way going to be like the same characters. Because it's just it came from be, the movie initially, didn't yeah. it? it was, the seed yeah. was a was a kind of a not B movie, but it was kind of a. Well, basically, Joss Whedon. The reason Buffy came to be is he said he was sick of seeing blonde girls, kind of like blonde party girls, seen as ditzy, going into an alleyway and getting murdered in horror, and um, so he wanted to make something that subverted that idea. It was about uh, the final girl all the way through. Right? Yeah, blonde woman goes into an alley and like she's ditzy and a party girl and her name's Buffy and can kick some ass and then take some names. So he wrote the um like the the feature film and then I think the people the director and like the producers apparently I don't think they really understood what he was trying to do and I think they made it into this kind of broad comedy rather than like Yeah. Like it horror, is in a slapstick like the poster is yeah. Luke Perry hiding behind Buffy ah. and stuff like that so. yeah wow. it's like and like you know the vampires are really kind of ridiculous and they're mm. like you know um, <laughs> so they were like yeah I think yeah Joss Whedon I think he took that and was like when the TV show came he's like no this is what I wanted to do with that um, and yeah apparently they like wanted to change Buffy's name because they were like we can't take her seriously if her name's Buffy and he was like that's literally the point, the point. Mm. <laughs> That's literally Buffy is I think it's a diminutive for Elizabeth on my little research journey because oh, really? I've never met anyone called Buffy obviously because Ireland we're all called Kate or Sarah or uh, that's my sister's name but <laughs> he's also Aoife <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. or Aoife yeah. or, uh, or Laura or Lauren like we oh, all yeah, have yeah, there's yeah. about eight <laughs> names kind of from that time and that's it yeah. definitely no Buffy's but I believe it's it's a um, pet name for Elizabeth oh cool I didn't know that actually Beth Buffy I, I can yeah. see it kind of but yeah it's um, I know it would destroy the purpose like the the, yeah. the essence at the core of it is that very like final girl you expect her to be taken not down, even the final girl because I think he was like I want the first you <gasps> the know first the first one yeah. Yeah, the first who girl. gets murdered yeah. like I want her to be the one who's having too much fun yeah. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. movie she gets taken down first who like you know has sex with the football player and then is like just in running around a bikini getting slaughtered like I think he was like that character is more than that just that character and yeah. she probably has so much potential to do other stuff um, so I think that's how Buffy was born which they is amazing it, uh, my worry about it is what they might do to it is what they did to Sabrina which is like I was super uncomfortable with the new Sabrina I fucking watched two episodes and I couldn't yeah, do it because I, I was like that's 15 year old naked girl on the screen stop doing this I hate this and also like they didn't let her ha- I'm a big fan of telling like grey mass modelling stories about teenage girls but they didn't let her have any fun with her magic well, that's what the thing. I think you know? when we were saying there about how binary it can be now in cancel culture and like a character can't be flawed or do something wrong and they have to be kind of perfect and like mm-hmm. you can't show this, or you can't show that. I think like that's what's going to probably kill those like reboot Sabrinas and like, you know, those shows because everything's almost too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching Riverdale recently 
as a reference for something else I wouldn't normally watch that okay? my favourite take on Riverdale is do you love it or do you hate it both is the answer <laughs> yeah. like, I'm I just mean, like what even is happening in front of I me I literally had to watch it because somebody was like and we're sending you a script here's the, one of the references is Riverdale and I was like okay I better watch it to see what they mean um, but I noticed like you know everything was on the nose like it was like you know a guy shares a picture of a girl with people and like of her like naked or something and then like they all kind of get revenge on him and it was just like that behavior is unacceptable and blah 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 and like the guy's like this really caricature like I'm the evil boy Mm. who will share pictures of you naked and it's like no in reality probably the person who shares pictures of you naked is like your boyfriend that you loved and like you know those nuances are gone because it's such like black and white it's like good and evil this person's bad this person's good this is good behavior even down to Betty and Veronica like it's just it's so it's so virgin in the horror like it's and that's obviously it's from the Archie comics which is like yeah it's it's it's, it is what it is man but it's it's very uh, binary yeah um, within it with the language of something that is nuanced similarly to Sabrina where it's like it has all of this vocabulary around nuance that it doesn't actually demonstrate in any capacity yeah, yeah and yeah, that's yeah. very fucking frustrating very because frustrating. it's well intentioned but it's poor mm. and I'm not as somebody who is like fucking hook me up with that spooky shit fucking yeah. season of the witch man give me two hardcore years of witchy popular culture yeah but they have just taken the spine from it yeah and uh that's what uh and i i would worry uh, yeah no that's why i'd be afraid too it's like you lose all the kind of like you know because buffy is i never at like any point in season one and two when she's in high school is never like i'm gonna be the slayer like she's never really like that she's kind of just like making jokes at giles making fun Mm. of him she won't read her like slayer manual because she's 16 and she doesn't want to you know and it's just like so charming yeah. that that's like that's a real person if I was made the slayer I would probably be the same I'd be like no I haven't read that book because it's like this big and I don't want to read <laughs> it has time you tell, yeah. me, you tell me what it's about I have and to go to this says, party someone says yeah. Dow in the first page so no thank you yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. but at the same time though what a, what a reboot might do especially if it's a woman of colour at the helm like I feel like there's probably no people of colour at all in Sunnyvale right you know it's like it's pretty deep white suburbia yeah. so retelling those kind of <laughs> stories with a, like a yeah. better like bad. a better cast you know what I mean a more yeah. a more accurately representative cast might be interesting as long as mm. like well, I guess we're just gonna have to see do you know what I yeah. mean the worries can be there but like I probably would watch it tomorrow if it all dropped on oh I absolutely would yeah. um, no. but I think as well I find myself like obviously as a writer and director sometimes when I'm working on ideas or doing like you know writing a script or like I'm trying to brainstorm around an idea that I want to portray um like you know Cat Calls My Short is like about street harassment and like kind of getting revenge on predators that do that to you and reclaiming a street at night. Um, But like things like that, I find whenever I'm like drafting up ideas, I'm like, oh, this is Kate, you're a genius. And then my brain literally 30 seconds later is like, oh, isn't there an episode of Buffy that basically does the exact same thing? (laughs) And I'm like, no. Um, So you're like, you know, when they are rebooting Buffy, you're like, how are they, what are they going to do because Buffy has done it like they've mm. played every adolescent trauma as a monster throughout like seven seasons and like onward and onward as you become an adult like they've done that so well and you're just like what can they do do you know what I mean because I think teenagers should just re-watch Buffy now yeah, and like, just give them Buffy I think sort it, them out even re-watching it myself recently it's like 
no, it still holds up. And like, it's a little like Dodge production values in the beginning. And like, yeah. obviously. And their first episode about the internet is hilarious. Oh, now, yeah. There's respect. a lot of funny stuff. Yeah. yeah. With technology, which yeah. is like pretty funny. We downloaded a monster onto your computer. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to write that book. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the teacher's like, here's this floppy disk, Willow. And she's like, cool. You know, you're just like, oh, OK. I'm There's obsessed with elements that. Like I think that. fucking like even the word cybermancy makes me want to vomit my lungs out onto my body with shame. But mm. I'm obsessed with it. Like haunted <laughs> internet shit like that's mm, give me that cyberpunk bullshit but like that's that's from its time it becomes like a set piece of the 90s you know yeah, it's like yeah. when they fucking had to deal with cell phones in the x-files you know mm. like how technology disrupts um, ambience of fear how technology yeah. spoils any tension that we have like the cell phone always has to go immediately there always has to be no coverage like mm. what does the internet do to the slayer like that would be the fucking the real yeah. query that i would yeah, have like, like how does buffy stay secret when everybody has a camera but how, how do you how do you remain the slayer in in, in the era of surveillance and self surveillance? Yeah. Like that's a really like I don't fucking watch shit of that. Like that maybe yeah. that's how you do every month. That's maybe how you do every adolescent trauma is that you instead of using uh, trying to wait, find ways to negate the sorry this is so my shit oh my god um, <laughs> instead of trying to find ways to like negate the presence of the internet and dodge it so like oh there's no fucking cell phone coverage in Sunnyvale nah. yeah, like, yeah yeah. How about like leaning extremely into that? Yeah. And like yeah. haunting the shit out of the screens. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. incorporating that into vampirism in some capacity. Sorry. <laughs> Major tangent. <laughs> no, Maybe no. it's possible. But that's like, yeah, because yeah. that brings something new that they definitely didn't have, which could work. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that could definitely be interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I find like I know, yeah, you're probably the same when you're writing stuff, but uh it's like I hate having phones in films and stuff like that. And like you had the whole idea of fear and like horror and like it's how completely it's like punctured. Yeah. Completely punctured. And I've always trying to find a way to make it incorporate it in a way that it works. And it's so hard. It's so hard. There, yeah. There's no, there's no linguistic ele- uh, elegance around it. Yeah. There's no way to, uh, in any way, poetically describe or beautifully describe the scroll and like what that is do you know what I mean like how do you find a way to like yeah. elegantly put that like I'm I'm genuinely working on it mm. um, the book I'm writing at the moment is about an island and uh, I have very the whole thing hinges on the absence of the internet and it's, it impacts everybody you know mm. like because none of them have it like all of the main narrative focus is the absence of the internet and what, fi- what people can and can't find out about you with it you know yeah. but the internet forces itself into your narrative especially if you're telling supernatural stories or stories with mystery because there is no mystery because we each have a box on our person that has all of the correct answers and every you know with a bit of push and pull too much truth about anybody that you meet do you Mm. know what i mean so how to effectively storytell in that environment is a fucking nightmare um but i think that there and like i I wasn't joking but the next book i'm gonna write i do want to explore like Mm. what how do we intersect terror and ghosts with that world there's um you know? a really good movie on netflix i saw it at fantastic fest last year called cam c-a-l-m uh, oh cam cam yeah oh. so it's about um a cam girl you know like cam girls yeah, so yeah. you go online and you your followers can like send you money and then you'll do stuff on a camera for them um but it's one of the films like a horror i've seen that does technology kind of right yeah yeah um and it's a uh, written by a, a woman a former uh, cam girl oh, herself brilliant. and it's like really really cool fantastic yeah, yeah actually yeah. I follow her on Twitter um, she's good on Twitter good tweets yeah, yeah. and yeah. she uh, she's writing I think she's just got um, a deal with Blumhouse to do like a werewolf movie or something oh, and I'm like you? I want to see your werewolf movie 100% <laughs> like definitely um, so yeah that's pretty cool so but uh, yeah, that's a good it. film that does that I think pretty well but we're getting there we're getting there yeah yeah, yeah. so extreme tech Buffy 
like insta, yeah. insta buffy like, insta, insta buffy hashtag sayer like <laughs> oh my god guys hashtag sunnydale problems mm. oh speaking like, of which you're wearing a sunnydale t-shirt oh, it's I great am, yeah. so it's like so how much great. of like the expanded like buffy universe are you, are you yeah. into like the comics and stuff have you ever read those, i never read the comics because i kind of felt i would love to read them mm. but i think my heart i was just like I feel like that's the end. Like that's okay, they yeah. punctuate the like the last episode of the series so well mm-hmm. that I was just like, you know, basically it's very on the nose again. Sunnydale becomes a massive crater and is basically swallowed in and they have to leave Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. And like that's it. Um and I was just like that's good. I like that. The hellmouth is yeah. opened. We're done. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and to be honest, I know I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I never watched Angel because mm-hmm. I just didn't I didn't like Angel as a character. Um, really that much and when he had his own show even though I knew like some characters that had been in Buffy then come across and cross over and like Buffy's even in a couple episodes I never watched them because I was just like yeah I just was like no Buffy I'm happy with this and I like this and I just Mm want to see these characters and I have done like they used to do in Dublin a few years ago they used to have Buffy Fest every year (laughs) where you could go and dress up and they'd play uh, once more with feeling and uh, a couple of other episodes depending on what the people voted um and like dress up and stuff did you dress up yes ah. as, as. uh first when i dressed up as faith oh Excellent. we haven't talked about it so there's yeah, too much to talk about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh the second time i dressed up as xander when he had an eye patch because i was lazy amazing uh, so i was just like i'll get an eye patch and i'll wear like a check shirt because i was like coming from work or something um but yeah and then like i have my sunnydale high t-shirt um I was, yeah, my girlfriend, I was leaving the house. She was like, you should wear one of your Buffy t-shirts. I was like, oh, yeah, because I have another one as well that has, it just says Slayer in, like, uh, Slayer font, but then it's, like, Buffy's on it. Oh, I know mm-hmm. that t-shirt's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one. Um, so there was no merch back then as well, I have to say. Yeah. We are spoiled for merch. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's nothing, yeah. nothing growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and now yeah. I can't blink, but for people trying to sell me fucking uh, Twin Peaks t-shirts with the Black Flag logo. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like, I know. So I I'm, see. I'm very specific about merch, and the, your signing out t-shirt is the kind of merch I like, where it's from the universe but doesn't actually brand itself in any other way yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I like that I have, I have um, like a uh, portal mug that's like it's an aperture science mug oh very it good. doesn't actually say portal or half-life just, on it anywhere it's just yeah. from this, the is, this is from the thing yeah that's yeah like. and it's yeah. not too in your face you're just yeah. like oh yeah if somebody notices that I'm wearing this that's mm. fine because they obviously love Buffy or whatever but yeah. like most other people probably just walk by me like cool a maroon t-shirt you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah. um which is cool um yeah sorry Faith very quickly yes Faith mm. is like one of my top characters as well. She's not in it very much, but basically when Buffy, Buffy accidentally kind of dies um, for a moment and when a Slayer dies, she's replaced by another Slayer. So through this, this second kind of Slayer shows up in season three called Faith and she is the most badass, cool. I was like seriously crushing hard when uh, Faith came along. When I was a uh, uh, youth, I was just like, this is the hottest woman I think I've ever seen <laughs> on television. And um, she's just like so cool. And like, I love, I was actually thinking about it because I was thinking, obviously coming here, I was like thinking more about like Buffy, the slayerness as queerness. And like that like moment when you meet another kind of like super cool, like someone who's, because Faith loves being a slayer. She loves going out, killing vampires. She's obsessed with it. And she's just like so badass. And Buffy's kind of more, confused and she's like I don't like I don't I kind of want to just live a normal life I don't really want to be a slayer and it's kind of this thing that's forced on me and Faith kind of comes along it's like you can have loads of fun being a slayer like you can literally just like kill all these vampires and it's so like 
gets you really pumped up and like uh, they have this whole thing like in season three and there's all this kind of sexual tension between them as well and you're just like I was thinking about the other day I was like oh it's like when you meet someone who loves super super loves being gay and you're still kind of like I don't know if it's for me um, and <laughs> they still hatching of, yeah. yeah and they like just kind of sh- just storm into your life just as but then like yeah she's also kind of problematic too but uh, yeah such a cool character I love her. The wide range of good problematic faves, man. Yeah, yeah nobody yeah. gets out of well, that time on scale. in real life, but Faith as a character is kind of she has her she you know she does a lot of bad stuff too, but uh, she's cool. I love her. We haven't talked about once more with feeling, and I think we should because as a, as a television thing that happened, I yeah. think even people yeah. who didn't watch Buffy knew about once more. Oh, yeah, that's with why feeling. I watched that one specifically yeah. this morning because yeah. I realized it. Uh, Buffy's on Amazon Prime, by the way, everybody. It's gone from Netflix. So if you have Amazon, good. Prime, I because my I think my girlfriend there. has Amazon Prime. Yeah, so we'll probably watch I, and also watch. Was Mrs. Maisel and forever while you're there because oh, they're sweet, also cool. that's, that's worth the 10 euro a month um, <laughs> yeah because yeah, when it got taken off Netflix because I used to just throw it on like if I was like eating dinner I'd be like oh I'll put on one of my favourite mm. episodes it's exactly like the Friends conversation <laughs> yeah. where it's like oh it's just always on in my house just yeah, always on yeah, my yeah. House. yeah, it's just comforting. Yeah, mm. I did. I listened to the Friends episode and so many things like uh, she was saying. I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like Buffy as well. It's like lines you up. You feel comfortable. Mm. You're just like, oh, it's like being wrapped in a little blanket watching Buffy. You're just like, I feel so happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but once more a feeling. Yeah, it was like so a musical episode. It came in season six, and it's uh basically Joss Whedon has always kind of loved musical stuff like I feel like he's done some other stuff like that um, what's the fucking mad scientist one? Oh, Dr. Horrible yes yeah, 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 yeah. that yeah. thing yeah. yeah yeah I couldn't remember the name but basically um, yeah so I think he was like having a party at his house with all the cast where Buffy, of Buffy were there and they all started singing like doing songs and stuff and I think he apparently after that party was like I'm gonna do a musical episode because you're also good at singing um, so they're all like some of them are really really good and then some are just like Willow has obviously been given the fewest lines oh, in the yeah, whole yeah. episode because yeah. she's like just cannot sing at all. Yeah. Um, it's really funny. But she even Tara has a line. Tara and Giles are both very good. Yeah, yeah and Tara has a great song which is like this gas song. It's called Under uh, Under Your Spell. It's basically like because at the time Willow's using magic to make Tara forget when they have fights. Um, which I love as like mm. an idea. Like, you know, you're just like, Eternal I can't sunshine deal. the shit out of your yeah. life. Yeah. I can't deal with confrontation well, with my partner, so yeah. I'll just yeah, make them forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so she has this song that's like, I'm under your spell. And it's like basically like her being like, I'm under your spell because I love you. But then it has this under meaning that it's like, I'm under your spell and that's why I'm happy in this Aww. moment because you've made me forget that we're going through this shitty time. Um, deep cuts, man. Yeah. Uh, so when I oh, was... Oh, it's also something that I'm very surprised I got past um, like the like, 19, 2001 censors where at the end of that song they her and Willow fall onto a bed and then Willow pulls out of the shot Oh. And, and she starts, starts floating. floating and getting reaching the high note. There's a lot of um, yeah. so basically, I remember I was listening to Joss that Whedon. Carly Rae Jepsen high note where it's like <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing yeah. there, yeah. Carly Rae. Um, but Joss Whedon said like basically when Willow started to like have a lesbian relationship on screen, the network were like you can't show any lesbian content, you can't mm. show them kissing, you can't show anything that alludes to lesbian sex. So he was like cool they're just doing a spell and there were so many <laughs> uh, episodes in like the earlier seasons where they'd be like doing magic and like getting really kind of sweaty and like in like totally exhilarated by the spell they were doing together <laughs> that you were just like cool <laughs> they're just like slide that in oh. network are like perfect they're doing magic that's fine that's fine yeah, yeah. yeah. so oh like in that I think they didn't kiss because Tara and Willow were together for a really long time 
the first they were the it was the first network lesbian kiss that was on tv oh. um and then that was in like season five that's in the body that's episode eight. i think yeah, yeah. yeah and then like the first lesbian sex scene shown on network tv was also buffy and that's season seven when willow has a, a new girlfriend who um is like one of the potential slayers in the end um but yeah so showing that like it's really funny because it's like obviously you know yeah. so on the nose you're like <laughs> they're literally yeah yeah you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. funny it's good shit. um but yeah the musical episode's great like it's so i listen to the it's on spotify the soundtrack oh, yeah. for the music episode and i listen to it sometimes just like bopping around town i found it was really weird because like, like i said i've seen very little relatively of buffy but so i watched it this morning and when but like the very first person to sing in it is buffy and when she started singing, I actually like welled up. Aww. So I was like, "Oh, this is like weird and special." Like yeah. immediately, yeah. even the songs, are, the songs are pretty good. They're not like blow you away good. I think not Rebecca Sugar, but yeah. like they're, but they are, they're good. They're good, but it's like I had like a really weird emotional reaction to seeing her doing something so out of character. Mm. Yeah, it was really weird. The, the 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 my my extremely teenage teenage story about um, the musical episode is that. Um, there was a lad who wasn't from my estate, he was from an estate over, who had been pursuing me with intent, who I had minus interest in. Minus interest in. <laughs> um, uh, but was very heavily pursuing me, which is like, odd to be a kind of a very gawky, sexually ambiguous teenage girl who somebody really fancies. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with this, please leave me alone. Uh, but when he wrote me multiple love letters, uh, oh my God. and one of them, oh dude, like I've got- I've Who got, is this guy? I need to, I, I, uh, I'm a person, I, I'm a person who people have always felt the need to do shit like that too. And I'm like, I don't know what you're, please, please leave me alone. What is my energy that you need to what send me my, a love letter? Yeah, what's your childhood trauma? Like, please stop. But one of the love letters was, it written in pencil the entire lyrics to Spike's song from the oh my um, god that is like, so deeply cringy yeah. I didn't know what it was and had to ask I was <sighs> like did you just write me this really long poem and I think I've met him like four times and I was like I'm all I was I was fun not that I wasn't the kind of person who wrote people poetry, let's be real. But it yeah. was very, uh, a very intense gesture. But I had to go and find out Yikes. what all that was. And then I was like, oh yeah, she's a vampire slayer and he's a vampire. And I was like, I'm a what? What are, what are you trying to say to me? Like, uh, I feel like oh, he's an accountant now. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely, uh, I do actually know what became of him. But uh, yeah, it was, that was one of my big Buffy moments of being like, I, please stop inserting me into a narrative of a television show that I don't want. And also uh, Spike song in that episode is so cringy oh yeah like yeah. and he like in it's it like it's kind of hilarious because he's so embarrassed that he sings it mm. as well in the episode because it's so unspike kind of as well um yeah. but it's uh oh god that's really embarrassing it was it was up there like we, we've <laughs> all done we've all done embarrassing things as teenagers none of us are above reproach however cancel him no I'm he's cancelled <laughs> i'm cancelled for not shifting him he's cancelled we're all cancelled right but jesus man the emotions off that episode to tell you what left mm. right and center like fair play to them for like writing the lyrics out so that's the kind Be of thing you'd have to listen boy. to it and write it yeah. down because they didn't have like just copy and paste your lyrics then back no then, that really. would have been multiple yeah. listens you would have had to procure the episode or the scene like how the length <laughs> in whatever the fuck 2000 and asterisks yeah. um, <laughs> that that you would have had to go to to retrieve then hand transcribe these the, like that's yeah yeah, well, dedication. He was yeah. he was really in love with you. He was. Oh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> gotta keep those ones away. <laughs> yeah, but then that's how, That's the kind of like problematic thing of Spike's obsession with Buffy was really unhealthy and weird. And yeah. that guy obviously saw it and went, 
this is perfectly normal mm. and a cool thing to do. <laughs> this is a perfectly normal and cool thing yeah. to do to this girl that I don't yeah, really know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jesus. funny. Don't really miss being a teenager so that much. But yeah, oh God, uh, no. I feel like this, is, this might be one of our banger bumper episodes. So we should like, should we wrap up? Should we keep going? I want to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like 7 p.m? <laughs> like, how There's are we doing? There's just so much to talk about in Buffy. Yeah, it's there hard. Is. Yeah, and yeah, I feel yeah. like this is one of the subjects that we hadn't, because you said earlier, it's like, why is no one doing Buffy? It's like, because it's monolithic. Yeah. Like, how do you approach Buffy? Because it means so much to so many people. Do you know yeah, what I mean? But yeah. I feel like we've gone loads of really great places. Can we talk a bit about Giles before we go, though? Yes, yes. Because yes. I feel like I have ubiquitously fancied Giles beginning to end yeah like don't yeah, know why. Yeah, yeah. a librarian me never but like <laughs> just you've just been like look at me. yeah so wise so gentle so kind of camp yeah <laughs> like, I mean he's know. just so I think when I I kind of had a reaction to him when I was watching it as a kid that I like my my parents had split up and I was kind of estranged from my dad like I don't really see him very much and uh the idea of then kind of having this someone uh, like this father figure Adoring. adopt you and yeah and he just like loves Buffy and would do anything to protect her I was just like I wish I had a watcher because he just like you know he's always there to guide her through all this kind of even when really shit stuff happens he's always kind of there and there is some there like at the end of kind of season six where he's like I'm leaving I'm gonna leave you because you don't need a watcher anymore um and it's heartbreaking because you're just like oh god it's just like so horrific um so yeah Giles is obviously just like an amazing character he's just like and so kind of interesting because obviously like he Giles as a character when he was a young man is like this badass like he practices magic and he like has a leather jacket and like there's an episode Band like Candy. Alistair Crowley realness <laughs> like, yeah. yeah so he like basically there's an episode called Band Candy and um, I don't know if you've seen it it's in season three wrote it that down so I wouldn't forget and um, but he yeah where the all the adults in Sunnydale eat these chocolate bars that make them revert to them teen- to their teenage selves. And Giles, because you're expecting, like you don't know what to expect with Giles. And then they, they come across Giles and he's like listening to vinyls, smoking, and he's got like a white t-shirt on rolled up and like, he's like has sex with Buffy's mom on the route on like a, I think I've seen on a car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you're like, Giles, what is this? But it's like so thrilling because you're like, someone can be that and then like become this very responsible like caring mm. gentle man who like just wants to protect them um and so like yeah he's such a complex character he's not just like i'm this Stuffy. guy yeah yeah, yeah yeah he's got this whole yeah. thing it's amazing it goes back to what caroline done who said in her episode about the most attractive men are 10 percent camp oh 90 is- <laughs> there's all there's the camp line right there's yeah. the camp line and I think we and Caroline Dundee talked very uh, at length at top speed about Niles Crane for about two hours uh, <laughs> during that episode um, and that's the the only men I've ever been attracted to have this like yeah, just yeah. it's sort of yeah and it's the it's the Giles it's the Niles Crane do you know what I mean yeah, it's yeah. no harm in it not at yeah. all and I think I'm it's concerned. a great example of a man to see on TV that mm. it's like you know you can be strong and Important. You know, important and amazing, but then, yeah, you're not but the typical amazing macho guy. No, it's tender. And I think Buffy has a lot of men like that, realistically. Like, there's no, you know, really toxically masculine guys. And even like, Xander's toxic behavior is reproached. Yeah. It's not something for which he's rewarded. It's something that no one is kind of down with. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's sort of like, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's buffoonery as opposed to something that's rewarded in his behavior. Yeah, so, like, and it's, yeah, it's like beta, like, it's the beta male kind of buffoonery rather than yeah actually, crawling. I guess like any like 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 traditional manly heroic man characters in Buffy are all actual vampires 
Yeah, the, that's which really must good be point. like a deliberate decision to not make yeah. anybody who would f- be like a male action hero. They're all actually vampires and Buffy. Yeah, they're all, so, they're all, yeah, they all want yeah. something. None of them are actually regular people. Except for lovely Riley. Lovely, stupid Riley. Yeah, but he's, he's yeah, a, obviously yeah. a dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah there, there you go, actually. That's more, there's there's more allegory. It's just and like, actually, it's kind of interesting because Riley, on rewatching it again, I obviously appreciate nuances continued theme of this uh, podcast today but uh, he Riley like is really emasculated by Buffy's strength and Buffy's ability to kind of fight because you know she kind of always like makes fun of him for using a gun and stuff like that because he's part of this initiative that they're like these army underground operation that are trying to kill demons but they have all this gear and equipment and Buffy literally goes out with a stake and like can take out you know 10 of them and he's just like intimidated by that and it's he it kind of makes him question like well what am i if i'm not your protector and a man which is really interesting um even though he's massive dope and i hate him that's i feel like i want that as like a regular soundbite on, on it's like massive dope i hate him um <laughs> That's a really interesting thing that I think it's used often in hero narratives because like they do it with uh, Doctor Who. We've never done a Doctor Who episode. Maybe we just won't. <laughs> Maybe we just won't do that. Um, but uh, but they use it with um, the characterization that there's no guns. That mm. there's this sort of rule about this really particular kind of heroism that doesn't immediately rely on weaponry. Mm. That there mm. is this, uh, that somehow the idea that your, your power as an individual and your power as a force for good in the world is enough to relinquish evil Mm. without the aid of machinery or warcraft do you know yeah. so that's a really interesting dichotomy to pull up on screen as well especially when it's aligned with masculine and feminine uh, mm. binaries where it's like that that extreme masculine weaponized way of relinquishing evil isn't actually really the way that it's going to be done yeah or the, or the, the the right way you know yeah. what i mean and like even when when tara dies willow's girlfriend in it um she's shot by accident mm. um and it is kind of like an amazing thing where like any kind of time you see a gun in buffy it's never like they have a very clear message that it's like this is so wrong this mm. is a wrong thing to have in our universe and our world and you can do things you can operate without them and like anytime they're there it's like they're so bad you're just like they should not be here and mm. um, which is kind of cool as well yeah for sure. similarly to the cell phone <clears throat> it negates a particular kind of storytelling it negates um like the the, the the I use holistic kind of widely here it, it negates the the destiny and the magic of things the opposite of magic is a gun yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the opposite yeah. of magic is a cell phone. When there's a gun there, the gun is always the solution. Yeah, I think because I remember. Um, yeah, well, it's that. This, it literally is. You put a fucking gun on the table; it's gonna yeah. be used. It's it, the the story mm. is then the gun. It's a weird parallel, but I saw um, like a little Twitter ad for new, the new Avengers film the other day, oh and they showed Black Widow firing a gun. I was like, oh, they didn't try just like shooting him with a gun. Well, they should just do that because a gun yeah. would probably work. That's Whereas it just takes everything else. It just negates everything anybody else can do. Yeah, a gun will do better. Yeah, because if, if, we're, mm, if we're talking about doing doing killing, then that yeah. is the that is the machine that is designed mm. literally only for that purpose. So, so if you think about like yeah. magic, magic is a technology in its way. In the same way, mm. like things are coded and programmed, and things are like engineered. Magic is an engineering process, but it's so much more interesting, organic, complicated, playful. It's it's more human mm. than these machines that are designed to advance us quickly to our ultimatum, be it information via the phone or communication mm. via the phone or death via the gun. And mm. I think that when we tell stories about magic, we are in some ways we have to reckon with. Uh, 
plot uh, accelerators like guns and phones mm. do you know what i mean and for me anyway when it i know people do do stories about like magic weapons and, and guns very very well but for me i think it's something that like sidestepping it entirely or critiquing it in your approach mm. is uh, i didn't realize i felt so strongly about this until now sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'm just yeah. like oh god i'm real Both mad we'll do that too <laughs> yeah there we go we're all on our emotions <laughs> but uh but yeah i think that's a really good that's a really excellent point with the gendered uh binary of the masculine with with the gun and the feminine with like the yeah. snake i think it's, it's fascinating. yeah yeah like i think yeah it's a it's a yeah it's a very interesting territory for sure mm. um i have to say like some of the magic episodes like where like uh, a or um willow has spells that go wrong mm. are just like such hilarious farces like they're just like there's one called Tabula Raza, which is one of my favorite episodes to rewatch. Because basically, Willow is doing these spells to make Tara forget that they're having fights and all that kind of stuff. But Willow accidentally makes everyone forget who they are in one episode. So they're all in a room and they wake up and they then realize they kind of like try to figure out who each other are, but they get it all wrong. Ah. So like Spike thinks that he's Giles's son because they're both English. <laughs> oh. And like... Um, Willow thinks that she she's wearing like Xander's jacket at the time. So she's like, I must be your girlfriend and like all this stuff. And it's just watching it play out is so hilarious. Mm. Like even if you've seen it a million times, like it's so funny. Um, and there's a few episodes like that where like magic goes wrong and there's just like. Is there an episode really where funny. like Xander accidentally doses everybody with a love potion? Yeah. yeah. And one. that's a very problematic yeah. episode yeah. to rewatch because basically Xander, who you kind of are meant to love and, mm. you know, endear to him or whatever he does this spell yeah basically makes all the um women in sunnydale fall in love with him and there's like a lot of dodgy scenes in it yeah. where he's like kind of uh basically but they're all kind of throwing themselves at him and he's kind of almost taking advantage of this a little bit so um yeah that's a it's a very funny episode yeah. but there is like watching it rewatching it in 2019 as an adult woman mm. uh you're like oh fucking Xander, you're <laughs> the worst truly um yeah. Yeah, but there's Zan- like yeah, yeah, really funny ones like Zan that. Zander's probably the character that would need the most updating for a reboot, I would imagine. I don't know. Just to get think... to borderline acceptable behavior. Redemption. Yeah, yeah, like the one-liners that are kind of... Because in the like season two, he kind of... And like season one, he kind of has a crush on Buffy. And it's mm. like very juvenile and it's kind of like pathetic. And yeah, yeah. I think you could do that. Yeah, but he has a few one-liners that are definitely dodgy in those yeah. seasons where you're like... Just don't say that to your friend. Like, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> Leave your poor friend yeah. alone. That's Chandler. Post Chandler. Post Chandler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so if anybody's made it this far and still doesn't, <laughs> isn't sure if they're going to watch Buffy or not, what would you tell them? Um, to watch it. I, I mean... I don't know why you wouldn't watch it. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> I think like... You're here watching Riverdale, guys. What the fuck are you doing? Watch Buffy. And I think like, I think my girlfriend is a real testament to it because I really, I even thought it maybe wasn't going to be for her because she's mm. not really into fantasy shows and stuff like that that much. And she would veer into more like comedy would be her thing. But she loved it. Like she, and she got into it so quickly, like and cared about the char- character so much straight away that I think... I was I was actually surprised that she like wanted to keep going even mm. after season three and season four and stuff where season four has like some boring bits. She was still like, I want to see what happens to them. I want to get to here and I want to know what, where it goes. And like, yeah, I think if you just give it a chance and watch it, like you're definitely going to get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a perfect piece of television, I would there you say. Go. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much, Kate. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have Is anything right? you want to promote? for you um well i mean yeah my short film cat calls may be going online soon but i'm not sure about when or 
how that will happen. But uh, yeah. yeah, so that's going to be maybe happening. So watch it if, when it goes online. And then, yeah, I mean, I do music videos and that kind of stuff. They're online usually whenever What's they come What's your Twitter out. handle? Oh, yeah, my Twitter handle is at Kat Dolan. So it's C-A-A-T-D-O-L-A-N. And a funny story behind that is not nothing to do with cats. One day I was really, really either drunk or tired. And my friend was like, that's Kate Dolan. And I went, yep, C-A-A-T to spell out my name. (laughs) (laughs) And And they were like, what? Were you trying to spell your own name? What the hell just happened to you? And I was like, oh my God, I think, you know, you just like your brain stops working. Yeah. And so then I was like, that has to be my Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So there we go. Thank you, everybody. We will see you in two weeks. Bye. Cool. Thanks. Bye. 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 Hey, we're back. Yeah. Uh, thank you again to Kate. Oh my God, uh, Kate, my brain is like on fire. That was a fucking amazing episode. Yeah, that was episode. a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I need to go watch all of Buffy again. Well, I'd still watch it all for the first time. I have to get extremely, extremely into it. Yeah. And maybe go back in time and be into it more as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That was great. So thank you so much, Kate, mm-hmm. for coming on and talking to us um, with such rigor uh, about Buffy. That was fucking dead. Yeah, I didn't talk a lot on that one because I've only seen two seasons and I'm a straight man. So I thought I'll just... <laughs> I'll take a back seat on this one. Oh, so it was great. I could have gone Morden on all day. Slack, so it was good. Could have gone on all day. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so thank you to Cassie Delaney. And thank you, Cassie. Everybody at Tall Tales, which is Cassie Delaney. Yeah. For producing and hosting us and being very, very nice to us in our new home, which we are loving. Uh, thank you to Dee McDonald for our artwork. Hi, Dee. Which is always amazing. Um, hi, Ellen. And hey, Ellen as well. Hey, Ellen. We, we miss, miss you. you. Um, we have a Patreon still. It's still there. It's going to be there forever. Um, it starts at one dollar a month, goes all the way up to a mighty five dollars a month. So and we'll if you give, you give us a euro, uh, we will give you a fucking sticker. Stickers are great. You're listening to a podcast about nostalgia. Of course, you want stickers. And the, we've if you seen give the us stickers on people's laptops. It's the nicest thing in the world. Ours is so yeah, yeah. Um, no, does Juvenile stickers on laptops? Oh, have you? Have you seen yeah. the laptops in the wild? Yeah. Oh my god, that's the nicest thing ever. Thank you. Yeah, it's that's very, amazing. very nice. It's a good feeling. Um, so uh, yes, do that. Uh, our or gives a fiver a month if you're feeling risky. It's price of a pint, and you get four. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. No, it's not. It's cheaper than a pint. <laughs> um, so if you do uh, find it uh, appropriate to do that first, that would be fucking great. And we will give you four extra episodes of Juvenilia a year, which are uh, Juvenilia the College Years, which will be about things that we liked a lot and people liked a lot when they were a little bit more grown up. And Sarah's going to watch The Simpsons and we're going to talk about it on one of those. Look, finally. you want to subscribe so that you can finally, <laughs> <laughs> so that I can cross my Simpsons threshold and we can really get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you, yeah. It's you thought you didn't like Friends. I did like Friends. And then yeah. I sat down and watched a bunch of Friends episodes and I was like, oh, I I do like this yeah. shit so I'm going to pick some Simpsons episodes it's going to work Okay, it's going to be good you want to hear it um, yeah so give us some money and you can hear that yeah and that's, that's it um, we'll see you in two weeks I guess take oh, care wait, oh, 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 uh, oh, oh listen oh, to other uh, podcasts on the Creep Dive on the Creep Dive network <laughs> <laughs> on the Tall Tales network do listen to the Creep, Creep Dive, Dive is Mother, Mother of Pod, Pod yeah I've still started listening to Mother of Pod and it's fucking brilliant so uh, give them a subscribe and a listen um, we're and very and Sarah's book A Words for Smoke yeah it's is out, out there. and it's great it's pink so and it's scary and yeah, you, maybe you like it. I don't know. Uh, so you, I think Buffy people would. Buffy people would probably very much enjoy all yeah. of the subtext in this novel. So if you <laughs> like Buffy, you'll probably like my horrible novel. Other words for smoke. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for everybody or to everyone for hanging out for this bumper episode. Uh, we will see you very soon. Bye. <laughs>